Welcome to Illuminate, a podcast to help you find your way through the light of God's Word. I'm Shelly Hitz, and I'm here with my husband, CJ. Hey guys. Well, we know it's been a few months uh, since we've done an episode, but we're back with you. All right. Woo. And uh, this time we are looking at uh, this little two-chapter uh prophet in the Old Testament known as Haggai. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we're all, um, you know, we all probably pronounce these biblical names differently. I was just so, thinking that. I'm like, is it Haggai? Haggai is it Haggai? Haggai. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we, we, uh, we're titling this episode, The Haggai Housing Crisis. I like it. And, uh, <laughs> You know, just to give you a little uh, background, just to refresh your memory on this this little two-chapter minor prophet, you know, as uh, biblical scholars would call him. You know, Haggai was a prophet living in Jerusalem shortly after many Jews had returned from exile in Babylonia. You know, and there's this uh, new temple for the Lord that had begun you know, in Jerusalem, but was abandoned due to all the opposition that uh, they were receiving. And of course, those of you familiar with, uh, you know, other, other uh, books like Nehemiah realize, you know, there was, there was a lot of opposition, whether it's rebuilding a temple, rebuilding a wall. Yeah. uh, And that's just good um, advice for all of us that are endeavoring to live our lives for God is that we're, we're going to receive opposition. And so, you know, just to mention that, but you've got this new temple for the Lord that had begun and this opposition that slowed it down and basically brought it to a halt. And years had passed and the people were putting their time and energy into rebuilding their own houses while neglecting God's house. You know, and so God gives Haggai this message to share with Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah, and those of you that know anything about Zerubbabel, he was actually in the line of Judah and was the one that would have been king had there been an actual kingdom. But since they had actually been in exile you know, by Babylonia and, and even other countries and other people groups, uh, they were pretty much relegated now to the king, kingly line being uh, governors. And so here you've got Zerubbabel that receives this message and also Jeshua, the high priest. So, you know, it was basically a message for both the church and the state, uh, which I found interesting. Yeah. But we're going to just pick up in uh, verses 3 through 6, and we're going to actually read this message that God had for, you know, not only the uh, the church and state leaders, but the people that were occupying uh, the land at that time. So here we go. So Haggai verses one, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. Yeah. You drink. But are not but are still thirsty. You put on clothes but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. And so there you have sort of the picture of 
you know, God essentially giving the people a message that's challenging them. You know, hey, what's going on? You guys are living these lives, but you've 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 essentially forgotten all about me. What about me? <laughs> what about my house? <laughs> you know, and sometimes we find ourselves distant from God and eventually just neglecting him altogether. You know, we may find ourselves scraping by and not even realizing what we're missing out on. Yeah. You know, we don't even know that we've been missing out on something much better. We just sort of settle for mediocre. We settle for compromise. You know, not realizing that if we would just seek the Lord, there's something better for our lives. You know, we might be satisfying our flesh while starving our spirits. Yeah, and I like in verse 9, then um, the second part of verse 9, God says, Because my house lies in ruins, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. Yeah. And um, I was reading this the other day, and all of a sudden, like, later in that day, God just pricked my heart um, with this of, like, there was just something about that busy building your own fine houses while mine lies in ruins. And it's like the Lord said, Shelly, whose kingdom are you busy building? Yeah, are you building your own kingdom or are you busy building mine? And I think, you know, at least here in the United States, a lot, a lot of times when you ask somebody, how are you doing? Oh, busy, busy, you know, things are good, you know, but it's like, we're always talking about how busy we are, but what are we busy doing? Are we busy with our own agenda or are we busy building the kingdom of God? Yeah. And is what we're building just something that's temporary that's right. eventually going to fall apart anyway, or are we really about the business of, of building something, a legacy that lasts into eternity in terms of our investments, um, whether it be financially, uh, relationally, yeah. you know, again, it's a great question to ask, you know, what are we building? And, you know, it makes me think about how sometimes we will be giving sacrifices for something that we will not reap the benefits. Mm. You know, like we want that we want that satisfaction. We want to reap the benefits. And yet sometimes we will do things, you know, for the kingdom of God and we will make sacrifices and we will pave a way for something that we will never see in our lifetime. Yeah. Or we will not really truly be able to reap all the benefits of that in our lifetime. But it is still, it is worth doing what God has. And there is so much reward waiting for us in heaven. You know, and so sometimes we trade that for the temporary satisfaction of, you know, being able to enjoy the, you know, rewards of our labor. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, my days at uh, Anderson University. Yeah, my alma mater, you know, it's where Shelly and I met. Shelly would eventually go on to transfer to a uh, physical therapy school where she'd finish out her education. But I still remember when, when I arrived in 1991, you know, there had been a big financial campaign that uh, our president had, right. had been promoting and pushing. And it was a $75 million campaign, which, uh, you know, was no small potatoes, you know, back in the early 90s for a college campus. And, 
you know, I remember just thinking, you know, this, this is a, you know, campaign uh, where they're, they're asking for money and funds and pledging for things that I actually won't be able to experience myself. <laughs> right. And they were planning like this big sports complex and everything and you were into sports. Oh yeah. So I was just like, oh, I'm all about that. Oh wait, right. uh, they're not finishing until, you know, this and this date. So I'm way out of here, you know. <laughs> but it is cool to be able to go back, and we don't make it back often, uh, as often as we'd like to visit the campus and see all the improvements. But, you know, I have been back to see the finished product of that huge uh, sports complex and the gym and, and the weight facilities and the athletic training department and all that stuff. I mean, it it really turned out state-of-the-art, and it was it was cool. But, you know, when we were there, it was it was a vision but others that came behind us were able to experience those things and uh, enjoy the in rewards. A different way. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm still grateful for yes. those those students that are able to enjoy that. But you know, God longs for a people who seek Him with their whole hearts and worship Him above everything else in their lives. You know, in His grace, God speaks to us in order to draw us back to himself, just like he did through Haggai. You know, these were messages he was giving to, again, the governor, Zerubbabel, and then the high priest, Jeshua, and then the remnant of the people that had come out of captivity and returned to Jerusalem. In, in God's grace, he gives us these hard messages at times. But the, 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 the big question is, what will we do with those words? What will we do with the messages that God gives us in order to draw us back to himself. And in this particular story, we see that Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of God's people actually chose to obey the message that they received from Haggai. And, you know, um, you know, you read, for example, uh, in verse 12 of chapter 1, it says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people, began to obey the message from the Lord, their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. And I should say, they... They feared the Lord in a healthy way, the way we should fear uh, our, our our parents growing up. We should we should want to honor them and and realize they they are our providers. They are the ones that God has put in our lives to respect their authority, but in a much greater way. You know, we fear the Lord as our ultimate provider. We fear the Lord in a way that leads us to draw close to Him in relationship because yeah. we just don't want to hurt Him. We don't want to hurt. Um, our Creator, who wants just so, in every desperate way, wants relationship with His people, and He wants us to have uh, soft hearts toward Him as well. Yeah, this is the part of the story, though, that I just want to get up and start cheering, you know? It's like, yeah, way to go, guys! Yeah. Because so many times in these um, old, you know, Old Testament stories, in the later you know, years of the prophets, it's like, they just did not obey. And, and so this one moment, it was just like, yes, way to go. <laughs> and I love, uh, you know, the Lord had a simple response after the people decided to obey. And this is what he said through Haggai. 
in verse 13, it says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you. Yes, I love that. It's like the Lord just keeps reminding me as we, you know, um, you know, read through the Bible. And, you know, it's like he responds to our obedience and he responds to our prayers. But it's like he is with us. You know, when when we obey, it's like the presence of God is with us to do whatever he's called us to do. And I just I love that reminder. And I think verse 14 is probably my my favorite of the whole, um, this this whole little two-chapter book. It says, So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Yeah. And the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of Heaven's armies, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius's reign. You know, it says, I love that. It says, so the Lord sparked the enthusiasm. Now, the Hebrew word for, for that enthusiasm is the word ur, U-W-R which actually means to rouse oneself. That whole, you know, phrase, spark the enthusiasm, it means to rouse oneself, awake, to stir up, to be excited. You know, and it says the people got to work on the temple. Now, you need to realize that from the time they first heard the message, that was more of a challenging message from the Lord. Like, hey, what are you guys about? You're building your own nice houses, but you're neglecting me. That was August 29th. Three weeks later, and the people, it says, began the work on God's temple. They got right to work and didn't put it off any longer. And that should be our response. You know, what are you hearing? What am I hearing from the Lord in a way of correction? And am I heeding that message? Am I getting right to work? Am I immediately setting about to say, okay, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry I haven't been putting you first in my life. I want that to change. And here's the steps that I'm going about to move forward with that. Yeah, I remember there was a time in my life, we were still living in Ohio at this time, and I just remember, I just felt like I wasn't hearing from God at that time. And it was like, God, you know, there's just silence. And I remember we went to a fundraising activity for a nonprofit, and I didn't expect God to speak so clearly to me there, but the speaker said, sometimes if you feel like you're not hearing from God, it might be because you haven't obeyed and done the last thing he told you to do. And I realized in that moment that God had prompted me to reach out to some people and ask their forgiveness, and I had not done it. I had not done that step of reconciliation, and so I was prompted into action, and within a few days, I was able to get a hold of all the people and talk to them, and there was just some amazing healing that happened. But it was it was stopping me, and there was a blockage there. And so sometimes when we don't obey immediately, it can stagnate us spiritually. And so you might even want to look back and just say, is there something that God did ask me or prompt me to do that I haven't done yet? Yeah. And so, you know, when our hearts are in a place where we give God our best, 
His favor rests upon us in all we do. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not going to endure trials and opposition, but I believe that God blesses the work of our hands and even allows our material things to last longer, you know, when we give them our best. Now, I've, I've just seen this in our own lives, whether it be our cars, our appliances, or different things. As we've given God the best, even when we felt like, oh my goodness, you know, it's a little harder to, you know, tithe this month or, you know, to give above and beyond that, you know, this particular month. I just believe that God blesses his people when they pour out their best. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that he's going to cause all your stuff to just completely, you know, go to pot, you know, because you're not doing this or that. And I don't believe it's a transactional kind of thing. I believe he just, he allows certain things to happen in our lives that are geared to draw us back to himself, to sort of make us uh, uncomfortable with maybe the, the way we're living life. Maybe even to make us realize, hey, I've been feeding on the pigs uh, or the, the, the food of pigs, you know, like in the story of the prodigal son. You know, I need a wake-up call. You know, I, I need to come back to my father. And I just believe that God wants us so desperately, you know, to live in that close relationship with him and to put him first in all that we do. Not last, not as the last resort, not the leftovers, but when we cheat the Lord... It seems to, you know, that he gets our attention in different ways, sometimes through some trials, but uh, in different ways, just like he did with the people. And, you know, in the second chapter, in verse 16 and 17, it says this. Listen to this. This is just a, a little backup regarding some of these things about God's favor. But it says in verse 16, When you hoped for a 20-bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refused to return to me, says the Lord. And so again, we do see that the Lord creates events in our lives at times to draw us back to himself. Not to destroy us. You know, he wants relationship. But sometimes there are things and events arranged in our lives where we just realize, you know what? I haven't been living God's best for me. I have, I've been basically settling for results that are mediocre and less than. And so, um, you know, you move on to verse 19 of the second chapter, and, and here's what it says. I am giving you a promise now, while the seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain, and your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops, but from this day forward... For this day onward, I will bless you. And why will he bless them? Because they chose to return to him. They chose to get started on what they were called to do and being about his house and not letting it fall to shambles. It was about putting his house even before their luxurious houses that would soon fall apart anyway. And so, you know, God's calling us 
to put our best energies into our relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I just, I just keep coming back to that thought of leaving a legacy versus just doing something that's going to feel good in the moment, that instant gratification, you know, versus really thinking into eternity. And so sort of in closing, you know, I want to read uh, uh, a couple verses toward the end of that chapter. This is another message uh, that was actually sent in December, mid-December of that year. And this is after they'd already chosen to obey and start work on that on God's house, the temple. And in verse 21 of chapter 2, this message came from Haggai. Tell Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, that I am about to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow royal thrones and destroy the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overturn their chariots and riders. The horses will fall and their riders will kill each other. But when this happens, says the Lord of the heavens armies, I will honor you, Zerubbabel son of Sheltiel, my servant. I will make you like a signet ring on my finger, says the Lord, for I have chosen you. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. And, you know, this shows us that the Lord even goes before us to fight our enemies when we honor him with our best energy, our best resources. We have the Lord fighting for us. There are all kinds of things that want to take your life down. The enemy has a direct plan to take your life down. And we're talking our spiritual enemy, the devil, and all the demons that are really about our downfall. And so we have a God who says, I'll fight for you. I will go before you. But we can't call upon that God you know, when we choose to just sever that relationship, when we choose to live our own lives, um, it's hard to live in that relationship. And so God calls us back out of that mediocrity, out of that just settling to be defeated on every front by an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. And that's our message for you today is to say, hey, what is it in your life? What is it in my life? that needs to change in order to rearrange priorities and set the Lord in his place where he needs to be in my life and allow him to reign fully in my life. So let's go ahead and just close this episode in prayer. CJ, why don't you just close um, in prayer with, for us today? Lord, we just thank you so much for this little book of Haggai that you tucked toward the end of the old Testament and gave us this message of, hey, uh, guys, you're cheating me uh, at the expense of building your own little earthly empire. And I just pray, Lord, that we would constantly be able to ask ourselves, you know, am I putting God first in every area of my life? Am I giving God my best? Or am I just settling uh, for a life of mediocrity by kind of putting God down on the list. Lord, I just pray that you would bring conviction where needed. But also, Lord, may we just feel your loving embrace as we return to you. And I just pray that our relationship with you would be intimate, would be close, and that we would be examples of people who live out our lives in close relationship with the God of this universe 
who longs to show us his plans, who longs to take our lives further than they ever go on our own. And we just thank you for each and every one of our listeners. I just pray that you touch their lives powerfully. May your word uh, impact everyone who's listening to this uh, this podcast. And may uh, you you work in different ways with different people, whatever you want to do, Lord. May your Holy Spirit speak. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening today. You know, if this episode is what your appetite to read God's word, we have a free gift for you. You can download CJ's ebook, Fuel for the Soul, for free at illuminateshow.com. Also, if this podcast has encouraged you in any way, could you leave us a review in iTunes? This helps others like you find the podcast. Let's live illuminated lives. This is the Illuminate Podcast.